We know there's still a lot to be done on the orchard, but let's take a moment and reflect and celebrate the progress we've made. I'm not sure how many trees, but we put a lot of trees into the ground during the last couple of weeks, and I'm fired up about it. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of February 23rd, 2011. You know, I did try to keep account of those trees, and I think that we had, we have planted about 83 new trees. Wow. Uh, maybe 84, 84. And because we figured out that by the time we finished all the new planting of trees for this season, there would be 87 new ones. And what we have coming to us are two new blackberry plants that had to re be replaced that were damaged in some way or defective uh, from one of the tree companies. And we decided to, um, to add an additional pear tree. A common pair to go a common, with the keeper. Yeah, to yeah. help with pollination. So basically, we're done with the the heavy list, lifting part of this. We've In fact, even the, the new trees that have to go in, we've already dug the holes for them. We That's just right. need the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and the way we dug those holes bears talking about. Uh, in the past, when we have dug holes for fruit trees, and we've planted a, quite a few already. Yeah. We did it by using the auger. We have a nine-inch auger, and what we did is drill three holes in a roughly triangular pattern and then dig out with the shovel around them to form one big hole, mm -hmm. which worked fine, and we were glad to have the help of the auger. But this year, we borrowed Dave Gray, my brother's flared auger. It starts at about eight inches in diameter, and then flares out to about 18 inches in diameter. So we were able to drill in one pass a hole that was thoroughly acceptable for planting all our fruit trees. Right. And boy, did that make a difference. Well, the difference is last year we planted, did we decide, about 17 fruit trees total? Something like that. <clears throat> well, not counting blueberries. Uh, so maybe, you know. 27. 27. This year, we're planting 87. <laughs> so, you know, definitely not having to stop and, as you said, you know, drill two small holes and then connect them or do some extra shoveling out. Uh, this was huge in, in helping us move along. Not to mention, in addition to uh, the, uh, as far as the flared auger goes, we also drilled big holes for your dead man for the trellising. Boy, that made a big difference, too. The, the dead man consists of a concrete block that is buried deep under the earth. And I was thinking I would end up doing that with the shovel, but more or less at the last minute figured out, well, gee, why am I doing it with the shovel when I can use that flared auger? So we have deep holes set aside for those dead men. Yeah, we probably, for the, for the uninitiated, need to clarify, we're not really putting real dead men in there. Okay, <laughs> it's a, Although we have a list of people. That, <laughs> no, uh, uh, this is a means of holding the trellis line in place, and it's called a dead man because it doesn't go anywhere. You just put, uh, in our case, we're putting a concrete block buried deep under the earth, 
and wrapping the aircraft cable around it to emerge from the earth and hook on to the cable that forms the trellis line. And we will keep it tight using turnbuckles. And um, that way we'll keep the trellis nice and taut. Yeah, which will be good. So anyway, we've gotten a lot done. We still have a lot more to do. Well, I was just going to say we've got all the trees in now and we've got those holes dug. Sounds like we can just kind of kick back and relax and enjoy our sunset in the afternoon, don't you think? No, no, because we have, uh, well, we live on a hillside. So erosion becomes an immediate concern with all the trees having been cleared. You just can't do anything of substance at Longleaf Breeze without thinking about erosion. Right. So we um, have already put a lot of rye seed out, and we... That's rye grass. Yeah, rye grass seed, yes. Well, what did you think I meant, rye? Well, there is a a grain called rye. Oh, that's true. We're not planting rye. No, I don't know how well it would grow here. Right. And I don't like rye bread anyway, so even if someone thought I was doing that, I wouldn't be. No, rye grass seed. Um, but that in and of itself is not going to do the trick on the really sloping areas. So we, uh, you went to your brother's farm yesterday and picked up some uh, sod of bahia grass that we're going to use intermittently. We also purchased about six rolls of landscape fabric to help hold um, and then we have some straw so our plan for today is to get out there and employ those those devices to see and if, we if all else fails we also have some rolls of silt fence that you've got for us so well i hope we're going to put those up as well we're know. thoroughly armed yeah. um, now and we just need to figure out what to use where and to get on out there and get it done. So why are we sitting around here talking with you? Well, this is our weekly commitment that we do the podcast. Yeah. But we are both eager to get outside and get that erosion control work done because we know there's a very high likelihood we'll get rain within the next two to five days. Right. So we just need to get it done. But even after that's done, we still have to think about our trellis lines that we have to erect we have uh, deer fence. We're going to put up electrical deer fence to keep them away, keep the deer away from our. That's a three-line deer fence uh, that we purchased from McGregor Fence Company. I got the email today oh, telling good. me that it's shipped and on its way to us. Uh, so we should get that in the next few days. That's good, and we also uh, have our drip irrigation lines to lay. And we have purchased that from Irrigation Mart in Louisiana. Robin Robbins has helped us figure out what we need, and we already have those supplies. We just need to get busy installing them. And do, will we need to rent a trencher for part we of We will. We will need to rent a trencher to um, cut some of the new channels, particularly for the PVC lines that need to go to the drip irrigation system. I'm not expecting that we will need to trench a lot of the drip um, installation. We'll probably just let it lie up on top of the ground. Yeah, but, okay. But we will trench mm. the PVC getting to it, and that's going to... You know, it's a shame you can't do everything at one time. You know, sit down and work out your master plan and then do all of the pipe for it at one time because what's really slowing us down... Digging the trench for a PVC line is trivial Yeah. With once you have the trencher. Digging a trench for a PVC line that crosses two other PVC lines is where it gets funky. Yeah. And that's what we're in the process of doing now. We're crossing lines and wires that have been put in place in earlier installations 
and it's going to be a big headache getting this in. Um, and, and of course, each time you do something like this, you think, surely this is the last time we're going to need to do all this, but it seems it never is. I know, I know. But we'll get it done. And of course, even though we should have done most of the mulching when we planted the trees, because we're planning to go back and lay drip tape, we're postponing mulching all except a few of the trees, the fig trees and the pomegranates, just because they're so sensitive to cold. Should we have another cold snap, we want to make sure they're covered. You buried those in pine straw yesterday, yeah. and they are now fortified, we hope, against all but the most deadly of freezes, and we hope, we hope that we won't get one of those. It's hard to believe, but right now, here in February, we are, which is normally a beastly month, and I think at the beginning of the month, I would have said it's, it is beastly, but we've had, what, how many uninterrupted days of beautiful sunshine I've been out there in my At least 10 days. shorts every day. Yeah, it's just been incredibly unseasonably warm. But uh, so it's kind of hard to think and about. And we are not complaining, God. No, we are not we're complaining. We're quite comfortable with this. <laughs> not complaining, but we're also not, I'm not, uh, I, I don't believe that the cold weather is finished. That's right. We're not naive enough to think this yeah. means that winter is over. It's not. This is just a little interval for which we are incredibly grateful because, it's, because we needed this time. It's enabled us and, to get everything and I done. I think we've used it well. <clears throat> I think so too. And then of course as far as getting back to what we need to do, we need to go back and prune these fruit trees. But you wanted to wait until we get the trellising in so that we can My preference, do that. at least with respect to those trees that will be on trellis, is to wait until the trellis line is in and then do the pruning. I probably should be going ahead and pruning the trees mm. in the old orchard now because there's nothing to wait on for them. I just right. need to get busy. Yeah, yeah, just the more traditional type trees right. that you're not trying to trellis. And in the midst of all of our tree planting, you've also been planting out on Veg Hill. I have. I've tried to take advantage of the the calendar as much as possible, and the nice weather afforded. Normally, I'd think of getting out and planting at this time of the year, uh, but it's been pretty pleasant. So I planted some lettuce plants, some cabbage plants, and some uh, seed you know, for English peas, for our uh, spring peas. But and, and, of course, I don't see any germination yet, but I guess it's a little too early. And um, then we started some seed on Saturday morning of tomato, for tomatoes and pepper plants. Yeah, we can talk mm. about that if you'd like. Um, we have this year for the first time made a major commitment to a soil mm. block system. Rather than using peat pots or little uh, cells that you have that grow little the seedlings in, we said let's form soil blocks. And the beauty of soil blocks, according to the hype, is twofold. One is you don't end up wasting any material because you just have a, a block of soil and that's it. There's no container that you need to use. But the major advantage of soil blocks as we understand it is that they are naturally air pruned, meaning that the roots grow out to the edge of the soil block, they hit the air, and then they stop and wait patiently for you to put that soil block into the ground. So it's supposed to eliminate transplant shock. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, good. And we bought our the block-making tool from Johnny's Seed, and then I think the potting mixture we got from Petals from the Past. That's right. right. So we're, 
but yeah, we so we put some uh, different varieties of tomatoes in, some peppers in the, and they're on a heat mat under um, a domed tray. So we're just sort of waiting for anything to happen, any kind of germination to happen. There is a great deal of moisture in that system right now, and you and I both are just a tiny bit nervous that there may be too much moisture. Yeah. Um, but we're not making any changes, but what we noticed is the soil blocks are thoroughly watered from below because they sit on a tray in a tray and there's water available to the bottom of the soil blocks that can be wicked up to the plant. And in addition, we've got these domes which keep the moisture in and it has the effect that there's just sort of mother terrarium look. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, which I know it is supposed to be a bit of a uh, humidity chamber. It is supposed to be humidity chamber, but it's more than that. So I guess we can keep an eye on that. We'll we'll certainly report on that in the future. Um, and to get back to the outdoor planting, um, we've identified, I think, where we want to plant the rest of the summer uh, garden. And of course, that'll be proceeding over the next few weeks. But we still have some sun hemp standing up there, don't we? <laughs> Should have brought that down long ago. I'm sorry. I just let other things get in the oh, way. Oh, it's okay. I'm not. I'm not complaining. Well, this it would help if I had brought it down earlier, but I didn't. And now we really need to get on out there and get that sun hemp down so that it can be part of the fertility yeah. equation. And it's dead. I mean, it's not. They're they're. Just, it's yeah, almost like no, bamboo no standing there. out there, yeah. very um, hard. But just uh, some cellulose cellulose standing in the uh, garden right now, and we just need to get it down and let it begin to rot in earnest. I mean, obviously it has been deteriorating over the winter, but no reason I couldn't have brought it down back in December. Well, just for one thing, the weather actually was pretty bad. That's for, true. We it had, was beastly then. It was beastly. It? <laughs> we didn't want to get out there. Um, so I, I certainly, and I didn't want to get out there either, so I excuse you for that. Um, and I did get, I got out and pruned some of the knockout roses the other day too, and that needed to doing. So. Yeah, I noticed you had put some uh, rose branches in the compost yeah that's good. yeah so that's done all all the uh, pruning i'm going to do this year you know in the future i may do more but there was one oversized <laughs> in comparison to the other uh, plants so i just trimmed that one down and it looks a lot better too it's a better shape so um, we shall see how that does and we will be holding the west side of veg hill um, other than the strawberries which are on row 11 and we'll stay there uh, at least as long as those plants hold out. As long as they're producing, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but other than that, on the west side, we will be uh, planting cover crop there this year. And our plan is to not do anything with it right now, but to put some sun hemp down, along with other things if we decide they make sense um, in mid-May or so. Yeah, that would be a good time. And then we will um, let that lie fallow, so to speak, during this year while you work on rows one through six. Yeah, one through six. Yeah, so I have my work cut out for me over there. But, uh, well, why don't we talk about one other thing that happened while your brother Dave Gray was here with his ex, uh, his bulldozer. And that is that we, I think we might have mentioned one new trail that you all constructed last week. We did. But since then, we have another one. We have now uh, cut the trail that you and I had been envisioning for quite a while. Um, We first envisioned it as having to cross a couple of 
ditches, and I was thinking we might have to put pipes in and so forth. But I found a, a route for it that does not involve crossing any ditches, and it goes way down by the creek and comes back up, and it's just going to be beautiful, I think. I, I think you'll love it. Yeah. Um, it's, I guess, a testament of how busy that we have been that here in the wintertime, when we normally like to walk, We've not yet had a day when we could spare both of us to walk down there and let you see it. Partly because it doesn't feel like wintertime. So we're doing about the, you know, so much. There's a hustle and bustle about our activity Absolutely. outdoors. That, and I uh, expect that to continue today. I don't know that we'll have a chance to get down there today. But we're expecting some dear friends here this weekend. So surely we will get down and see it then. Oh, yes, we before. plan to. We're just going to walk all over this place when they come. So we have um, relatively few areas now here at Longleaf Breeze that we cannot see easily from a trail. And that feels good to me. I really feel like for the first time we are using our property and enjoying all our property. And that mm -hmm. feels good. It does so. feel good. I know. Uh, we still have a lot of projects to do and we still have the pond and some big messes to clean up. But we can just, you know, scratch that off for another year and move on. Right. <laughs> so that and we have as to. we have said so many times before, one of the things about living on a small subsistence farm like this is that we will have an endless supply of tasks that must be completed now until we're dead. Right. And that's assuming we live a nice long life, <laughs> you bet. which I hope we do. Well, well, let's talk about this last week. Yeah, we did have, that was a day that we took a break from our actual work outdoors. But Yeah, we didn't get any trees planted that day. But we did learn a lot. We went to uh, the maple, Japanese maple farm owned by Pat Dye, who's a former, if you are not from this area, you might not know that he, Pat Dye is a former head football coach at Auburn University, coach during the era of Bo Jackson, had, you know, championship teams, very, very effective coach. But when he retired, he decided he wanted to go back to the land. He had grown up on a farm, and he's bought a tremendous amount of acreage. But his, his passion is Japanese maples. So um, I guess his mentor, in a sense, in the Japanese I maple word uh, world is a man named Dr. William Shell, Dr. Bill Shell. He's a good friend of ours from our church. And he, every year, I guess this is the second annual time, right, that they've had mm -hmm. the grafting party. They, he brings in hand-picked the elite in the Japanese maple world, if you will. Um, to from come, all over the country. From all over the country, yes. Uh, to graft new trees and new specimens that they have. Um, and have a chance to compare notes with each other about their technique yeah, and their they're experiences. All different. Yeah. And, and they are all different. Yeah. Uh, which just goes to show like anything with gardening, there's usually more than one way to skin a cat. You know, so. so we had a clinic on grafting. The reason we went, obviously we're not big into Japanese maples and don't expect ever to be big into Japanese maples, but we know that we're going to be grafting fruit trees. So for us, it was a clinic on grafting technique. Yeah, it was great. Our friends John and Kathy Haney from church invited us to go with them as their guests, and we just had a wonderful time. Had a couple of good meals and had a lot of chance to network and visit with the, the folks there. So it was just a, a, 
And uh, one of the nice things experience. about having Bill Shell handpick them is that everybody there was a nice person. Yeah. Just nice folks. Nice folks. That's we right. Just really enjoyed hanging out with them. So uh, we were grateful for that experience, and we'll put it to use in the future, I'm sure. Well, I guess we're running out of time, believe it or not, even though it just seems the time went quickly talking about our, our passion for our fruit trees. True. So, uh, But we'll let you go for this week, and we look forward to catching up with you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the Daily Farm Log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.